This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. It's not just Friday night. It is the 5th of May. Uh, the one time that I can use maybe one of the six Spanish words I know, Cinco de Mayo. I've got a little <laughs> bit of the gold stuff. Uh, my, my buddy, Jose Cuervo, man. Mm. So tasty. This is one of my um, con um, helpers. I, I like to have coffee on my right hand, a little tequila on the left. That's the way I get through my comic conventions. Uh, I know. Will, you you get through with water and Powerade, right? How do you get through a comic convention without um, a little bit of the helper? I'm not right. You're Okay. I'm not right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to have a great show tonight. We've got four great projects. We've actually got six projects that are running because Will and I are, are doing our own, but we've already done our deep dives on TART and Crossover Division, so you're going to have to check the YouTube page if you want to know a lot more about that. But what we're going to do with our uh, our panel of guests, we're going to ask you to introduce yourselves and your project. Uh, I talked about a comic convention. If someone was going past, past your booth, uh, Keith, if somebody was coming past your booth, how would you get their attention on your project uh, in about 30 seconds or less? Yeah, sure. So, um, so yeah, Animals is a, it's a, it's a painted comic. It has a digital painted look. And cool. it, it is a story where animals uh, have been infected by some kind of, you know, mysterious virus. And they are not only turning on humans and seeking revenge on them and killing them. They also appear to be coming back from the dead to do the same thing. Nice. I realize we have two Davids, so let's do David Tinseltown. Right. So Tinseltown is a period crime drama about one of the first female police officers in Hollywood. Uh, it's been called L.A. Confidential meets Boardwalk Empire. And in real life, my mother was a police officer, so it's also my tribute to her. 
Oh, that's a great pick. Patrick, we've had Brian on before, your co-creator of Black Cotton, but we I don't believe we've met you, so I'm going to let you do your 30-second your pitch on Black Cotton. What we do is we, the more we know you, the more you have to wait. So you had to wait for, because of your Brian connection. I apologize. But let's let's get, get into Black Cotton if, if someone hasn't heard of it. Well, Black Cotton, uh, uh, definitely happy to be here. Black Cotton, uh, 30 seconds is basically it is a flip of uh, the social order that you are known to live in right now. So black and white is actually flipped in uh, black cotton. It's a billionaire black uh, family who has a son who has, uh, he's a cop and basically he shoots a minority white woman, but she lives. So you have three elements going on in one comic book. You got how will the Cottons handle this situation? How will the Nightingales, which is Elizabeth's family, how will they handle it? And then the third element is society. How is society going to have it? This is volume two that we're coming out with now. And uh, we t it takes place a year later. So uh, it is uh, just a phenomenal uh, series and happy to continue it. Yeah, excited to get into it. All right, let's do a little Cam Camilla Unbound, David. <laughs> You're I think muted, we get, David. I think we got a mute, Dave. You, David's being so nice to his mutants, so he doesn't me Sorry. mess anything up. No, that's okay. Uh, we, yeah, you, I you do it all want, the time. You may want to mute me uh, once you hear me for a while. So, uh, <laughs> so Camilla we, Unbound, number we one. We usually give everybody <laughs> at least 15 seconds to mess up before okay. we bring out the uh, band hammer. So. I, <laughs> I, I have a little bit of leeway. It's a not safe for work thriller. It's featuring the original literary vampire reborn in blood, sex, and magic. Um, it's based on the erotic novella by Sheridan Lafanu that inspired Bram Stoker's vampire tale 26 years later. Carmilla Unbound is for people who think Dracula would have been better if it had more lesbians and wasn't so long-winded. <laughs> <laughs> That that's with our good friend Clay Adams. So we're gonna we're gonna see if Clay pops in. We're gonna see if Brian Hawkins pops in. Uh, but the the books are 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 gonna be able to talk about one way or another. I'm gonna tell one little story about uh, Cuervo that that popped in uh, New York Comic Con. Uh, my buddy Chris, who draws Underwars and co-writes it with me, you know we you know pop we'll we'll throw a shot to each other. We'll throw a shot to each other. He handed me. Um, Basically, he puts them in little um, shampoo bottles. So he handed it to me, and I, I drank it, and I, I looked at him, and he looked at me like, what the hell are you doing? And I didn't realize he had, like, filled it with, like, three to four ounces of tequila. But I was hooked up on the show, and I was like, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. Two minutes later, somebody walked up. I stood up, and I couldn't speak. <laughs> I literally stood up, and I went... And I looked at Chris and I pointed at the person <laughs> on the shoulder. He said, I got this one. <laughs> I went down, I grabbed my coffee, drank my coffee. I recalibrated for 10 minutes and then I was good to go. So got people, if you do this, be careful. I don't, don't, don't be a Kevin. Uh, Will, let's do a crossover division uh, pitch. Uh, stories are invading reality, uh, threatening to fracture it beyond repair, and only a uh, English professor and a research librarian have the uh, smarts and uh, knowledge to save us from an unhappy ending. 
All right. And I've got about an hour left on tart, so I'm going to give a 30-second pitch. If you if you want to get there, I would love to do you, you to back it while you listen to these great projects. It's a time-traveling demon hunter. She doesn't know where she is when she wakes up. She doesn't know when in time she is when she wakes up. She knows there's a demon causing trouble, and it's up to her to stop it. This issue, she is searching for a demonic serial killer and has to decide whether she's going to keep missing them or work with the son of the devil to uh stop it so that's it for will and i we're going to get into these great show these great comics um let's kind of do it let's go back in 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 the opposite order uh let's do carmilla unbound it's the oldest character so um i'm gonna pull up the screen uh david did you come to clay with this idea did clay come with you what was the the genesis of bringing this character back out of the public domain well uh, we we do a, an anthology called nightmare theater i don't know if you know that book and oh, yeah. um, a lot of so if any of you guys want a story in the next one we were trying to do it this fall a nightmare theater 3d in, in 2023 mm -hmm. but things got pushed back with the printer with nightmare theater 2 um that's a whole other issue but basically we had this idea i think even before nightmare theater so clay had mentioned that there's a public domain character named carmilla and i didn't really know this novella i don't know if you guys knew it before or not but 26 years before bram stoker's dracula this is the first vampire story and he's like yeah she's a lesbian and this and that i said hold on i said are you telling me that there's a, a lesbian vampire uh, public domain character and we're not doing a book on it. So <laughs> we, I was like, this, this kind of seemed like the Venn diagram of what could work on Kickstarter, especially lately. <laughs> so, um, but you know, it has, it has a literary backstory that's, you know, that's, that's actually pretty concrete and, and, and actually has some pedigree. So I, one of the things I liked about, I know I'm jumping around here a little bit, but if you remember true blood, when it first came out, it was kind of a cool, take on like vampires and i think the first couple seasons were pretty good i lost track along the way but the thing that i liked the most about it and and same with maybe interview of the vampire and some of these other stories is that it, living forever kind of sucks and mm. just jumping in like with true blood i remember seeing them in the 20s like little flashbacks of like they seemed exhausted by the time that you know they were still around and with Carmilla, I thought it would be really cool. We could do a book where you just jump in on a certain year of hers. And this first book is 1973. And it finds her as part of a band. It's kind of like a, a precursor to Led Zeppelin. I think it's called Vamp, Vamp Helsing. And she's kind of hiding in plain sight as part of the stage act. And that kind of explains the outfit that she has. Um, and Clay was like, you know, I, this outfit's a little nuts. I was like, well, it, you have to do something that is... Uh, identifiable a little bit like vampirella and mm -hmm. here we have a character that is the original vampire why don't we put her in a c outfit instead of like a v and okay. and, and and play with that um and there's a reason for her wearing it and there's a reason for the sex and there's a reason for the violence it's not just to do it it's it's all kind of there in the character now the original novella is a little stayed a little um i don't want to say boring but you know it's a little slow and languid yeah but it's a it's a cool read and it's short you know it's not a it's not a long book um but i love the idea that this is predating dracula by 26 years and it's a yeah. female vampire and you know in the book she feeds on young girls and by by the time we're in our story she's she's realized what her power is and she can kind of use it for good 
and and we kind of formulated that she's a Victorian era Dexter. So taking out the bad guys, you know, throughout history and, and just popping in in different uh, time periods. So we kind of had our cake and, and ate it too with the covers and, mm-hmm. and with the story. But um, yeah, I thought, it, I thought it'd be a really fun book and something that would really work on Kickstarter and something that we could do that's not a series. Like we don't have to worry about one, two, three or four and doing it a right. year or two in between. We can just, they're one-offs, but they're still, there's a thread that kind of like is the overall story. But yeah, you could you know, pop the next, back to 1956 if you wanted to. Right, the next up one to 88 or like a pirate story or something. Like you can just jump right. in with the character, and even though it's not a series, a series, it's it's something that you can collect, and it's the same character throughout the different times. Yeah, yeah, a I quick question you, for you. Sorry, I'm sorry go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to say that I, I think that's such a cool idea. Um, I'm a I'm a huge Bram Stoker Dracula fan. And, uh, and I'm aware of this. So I, 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 man, I think you're, you nailed it. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's such a cool idea. Um, and the fact that there's not enough known about it, you know, or enough done with it. I mean, it's, it's a great public domain character too. So props mm-hmm. to you. Well, Amy, Amy Chu just did a book that came out uh, like six months ago or something. And, you know, when we first started this, we're like, oh, no one's been doing this at all. And I looked up some things there was a, there was a Canadian web series there was a movie a couple of years ago and it was based on the book and it was that type of, it was almost like remains of the day vampire, you know, it was very, um, uh, what do you call it? Merchant and ivory. So we're trying to kind of take it up a notch and kind of bring her into the modern world, even though this first book is 1973, we just love the idea of, of doing that. And, and really it was based on uh, a short that we did in nightmare theater two called Carmilla comes again that I wrote. And, it's set in San Francisco in 1973. So what we did is we just went back a little bit before she gets there. And we may add that story as an add-on into the Kickstarter campaign if you kind of want, you know, a little extra. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 been fun to play with and, and uh, really kind of exciting to see how it's taken off a little bit. I backed it. What? I will be, I will be back. If I haven't backed yours yet, I'm backing all of yours. It's just, I I have a two-year-old here at home and I'm exhausted all the time. And so I have dad brain, uh, old dad brain. Yeah. I've got a six month old puppy. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, but I'm I'm much older. I'm much older. So it's like, it's a whole different story. Have, uh, have you and Clay kind of sit down and, and maybe established kind of a, a linear timeline so you can decide, you know, what what's changed you know from 100 years ago or 200 years ago with the character or is it just kind of she is how she kind of became and then that's how she is throughout you know the different situations that she's going to find herself in 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 carmilla comes again we had some backstory about that about like the girl finds her diary and and really in the in the in the novella she finds this girl that's like her love of her life and and they've dreamed about each other and um in our story, she's searching for the reincarnation of this girl, uh, Laura. Um, and in the Carmilla comes again, she sees this girl that she meets called Aurel, and it's an anagram. And and in Carmilla, there's a lot of that. She's the Countess Karnstein, and um, Mercala is her name. So if you rearrange the letters, it's Carmilla. It's kind of a really weird, trippy book. Um, <laughs> so we wanted to do that with some of the other characters and bring some of the flavor of that novel uh, into what we're doing. So the backstory in Carmilla comes again is she got tired of 
being part of what they call the weaker sex and and started to really take it to the men. And after so many decades or whatever of doing what she did, she realized she could do more and she has to do more. And becoming almost like a vampire vigilante was kind of a cool angle that, that we liked. And, you know, she she uses sex and then she uh, she kind of devours them like a like a black widow. So it's 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 it's, it's a fun book, but it's also got like a, a kind of a progressive angle to it. No, that's awesome. How did you guys get the art team together? Well, Ismail Canales, who is a great artist, did, he did a, a short for us in the first Nightmare Theater called Nightmare, which was uh, a, with a K. It was a theme ride, like Pirates of the Caribbean, and the kids get on and all kinds of hell breaks loose. But we really loved his stuff. We found him through a, an agency, and he's in Spain. And he's, he's done some books um, that we really liked, and we didn't know if we could get them, but he was available. So he did that. And then he did... Um, he did Carmilla comes again. And so we're just wanting to keep the team together. We brought Melissa white on as an mm. editor and she was very uh, uh, instrumental in like shaping the story and, and, and getting us kind of in line with what we wanted to do. Um, and then, it's nice probably to have a, a female, um, you know, psyche not necessarily the gaze, but a female psyche to be like, all right, I, I know where you guys are going to, here's the line. It, she might have helped you get to the line too. You know, we, and, I, we, we were very uh, aware of that. And, and so I've, we've, she wrote a, uh, a story on Nightmare Theater 2 and, and I really liked, she was in my film. I did a film called Mary Tyler Millennial where she had a small part, but she made the most of it. It was really funny. And I really liked her since I first met her. Um, and I liked her book Nightmare. And so, yeah, she was, she was great. And so we want to keep this team together. Ismail's art is great. Um, Alex Zeef, uh, who does the Monster Matador books, is the colorist, and she is great. Um, so if we can keep that team together and have a consistency with Carmilla, even though it's not a serial, I think it's really cool that we'll have that same team doing the book. And the plan was to do it every other year, and then Nightmare Theater would be every other year and just mm -hmm. kind of alternate them. But we'll see. Clay's, Clay's kind of a beast. If he, can, if he can do them once a year, I'm fine with that. But he, he handles the heavy lifting with the, the actual Kickstarters. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, I, I did see in the background, we do have a special guest. Our Brian is in. I wanted to get you in as soon as we hey, get Brian. Brian. Great to see you, buddy. <laughs> hey, so I'm late to the party, guys. Nah, it is, you know what? Fashionably late. You know how to no. make an entrance, and that's all, all we care about. <laughs> that's what we'll sum it up to. Sounds good. Yeah. Sounds um, good. So with, with Carmilla, you know, where, where is the line? I mean, obviously, it's not safe for work. You're, you're very honest with that with with your um, audience, uh, it, it looks sexy, it looks gory. So where is the line? Are you constantly pushing yourselves forward or are you holding yourselves back? How do you, how do you and Clay have those conversations? I'm sure with Melissa. You're muted again. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Clay comes from Fried Comics and you know, they did PBOW with, with you know, Pregnant Bitches of War and I did Baby Badass. And, and Baby Badass was like a take on the 90s comic. So it was over the top, violent and sex. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it was kind of having fun with that genre. Um, and then my second book I did with Peter Murrieta called Henchman, um, Rafael Garcia Henchman. It actually just got optioned by Universal NBC. Oh. Hey, congratulations. Um, yeah, awesome. well, they, re they, they re-upped the option. So we had an option last year and they just re-upped it again. Nice. Um, now there's a writer's strike, so we have no idea what's going to happen with it. But that was the second one. That's more comedy. And then Nightmare Theater was horror. And we wanted to delve into all types of horror. And that's cinema-inspired uh, horror. And um, 
so that line was kind of already drawn. Now there are Kickstarters that go way further. And I don't think either one of us was comfortable with that because that's just not our style. Um, but I hold up Charlie as an example with um, Glarian. You know, he spun mm -hmm. off Glarian from White Ash, which White Ash is just a gorgeous book. And, you know, it's like that's like sexy PG-13 and Glarian's yeah. like an R. And yeah. so that's the line that I think we're at. If there's a reason for sex and violence, then it makes then it makes sense. Then that's great. If If it's just done just to do it and try to like, you know, snag a, a corner of that audience, to me, it's not worth it. We still want to do a really good book with a good story and interesting characters. And if you have some of that, that's fine. That's, those are the comics I like. So that's that's mm. the line to us where it's not just a TNA book. Like, we don't want to do that. Um, yeah. As a, as a reader, my line is, if you put TNA on the cover, I want TNA in my book. <laughs> it, it's not bait and switch and, and, yeah. and there is it's in the book it's definitely in the book but there's yeah. a reason for it and there's yeah. story as yeah. part of it um you know in this story i don't want to give too much away but she thinks she finds her love and there's a there's a, a very nice love scene um and there's some other stuff here and there but it's it's not like it's a, it's not a sex book certainly not right. that at all right. yeah. awesome well that is awesome, Camilla Unbound. And but Brian came in, and we gotta we gotta move through these things. So I, I let's get into Black Cotton. You you missed the thirty second pitch, but Patrick killed it. I'm gonna pull up the page. Uh, if somebody, I, I was able to read the first volume through Scout Comics. If someone missed um, that, Brian Patrick, how did you guys come together to start working on this series? Who who had the idea first? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I had the uh, idea first. To be honest, real quick uh, story. So me and Brian, we have a mutual friend named uh, Luke Wright. And me and Luke Wright had uh, just come out from uh, speaking in a prison. And I said, uh, hey, you know, I got this idea that I want to do as a comic book. Now, I've been a comic book collector all my life but I had never done a comic book before. And he knew Brian. So we met up uh, January, uh, what was it? Uh, 2020. 2020. Yeah, yeah, 2020. January 2020, we met for lunch and we started talking and Brian, as soon as I told him, I said, you know, in this world, the cotton is black. He was like, what? Black cotton? That's it. That's it right there. And uh, we we went from lunch to my house, started, you know, breaking down black cotton right then and there. And uh, then COVID hit and it just gave that us. That was your fault? <laughs> That's I, I mean, no offense, guys. If I knew that, I wouldn't have brought you on. That's caused a lot of trouble. Yeah. You know, I, mean, I, I, was, I was sitting at home and I said, me and Brian need more time. <laughs> what can I do? <laughs> All right. Well, if, if we got if we got a comic series out of it, I'll take it. <laughs> the balance of powers. Yeah, yeah. That's that's how it started, you know. And uh, I I always say it. I give uh, Brian much love because he is truly, you know, uh, he's he's a mentor and a friend. And uh, I'm I'm you know ecstatic that me and him. You know, we we've been since that day. We've been close, and Black Kindness is phenomenal. Just a phenomenal piece of work. Yeah. 
your artist is so unique, but once you get into the, the tone and feel of the story, it absolutely works. How did you find them? And were you looking for that style or did you run into uh, the artist and feel like uh, they worked for what you were uh, putting together? So this is kind of twofold. Um, so we, so the Black Cotton team have like two primary artists. The first is the interior artist, which is Marco Perigini. And I've known Marco for years. Uh, we've worked on several books um, before Black Cotton, and I just always have loved the style. And um, and so when um, it came time, you know, we had written the story out and et cetera. We were thinking about artists. I'm like, what do you think about Marco? And so I showed Pat some of Marco's work and he was like, yeah, let's do it. I hit Marco up. We pitched a story to him and he was like, yes, let's, let's go for it. So that's how Marco, uh, you know, how he became the series artist. Um, and Patrick with Marcella, I should tell that, yeah, and so uh, uh, one day I was, you, you know how all of us, we're creators and we're constantly looking at other people's stuff. So one day I came across um, uh, Marcelo Santana, who's uh, out of Brazil, and uh, Marco's in Italy. That's one thing we love about the Black Kind team. We're truly international, just all over the place. Yeah. And uh, I reached out to him and we just started talking. We clicked from the beginning, and he's he was just a hungry, freaking incredible artist. Yeah. And so Marcelo has done uh, most of the Black Cotton uh, covers, and uh, he's just freaking phenomenal. And in Volume Two, he's also the colorist. So we got Marco, who is still the illustrator, but uh, Marcella, uh, Marcelo Santana, he's the colorist. And then he's also the uh, illustrator and colorer for uh, colorist for uh, the first project that's going to come out uh, from me and uh, Brian BCU presents. Remember, so uh, that was just uh, just part, past that in partnership with Geek Collective. Mm. Yep, yep. <laughs> we, we might we might know a guy over there, little Joey Galvez. <laughs> Gives us a place to hang out on Friday nights. Yeah, for sure. Shout out. Joey. Now, your covers are iconic. That's one thing I noticed. Because uh, I, I, I'd met Brian. Brian, I think we met like maybe three months before Black Cotton number one came out. And, exactly. um, I, you know, on Twitter, like probably three weeks after we met, you, you put the first cover up. And I was like, oh, that's going to do well. <laughs> thank you for that thank you for that. yeah yeah you know again we've been fortunate um you know with uh the concepts for the covers and you know when we talk to marco and we talk to marcelo like you know we're all vibing and and they just like they make magic happen you know it's, it's in our minds and we start talking and all of a sudden they bring it to life you know and that's one of the greatest things about you know uh the comic book creation uh you know the whole process is just mm -hmm. how things come to life and it's so collaborative so we've been very fortunate to uh be very collaborative with yeah. everything with black cotton so yeah and on this kickstarter uh the beauty 
is we actually highlight, for instance, Marco did uh, the first cover, the main cover for uh, volume two on uh, Black Kind, uh, White on White Crime. You know, we uh, it's a thought-provoking comic book, so we definitely uh, stay on that same path. It's, it's sort of funny because uh, in Black Kind, the first one, uh, we did a lot of uh, of our hit you in the face with it's either inside the comic book or with certain words or pictures that we did inside the comic book or on the cover. Like on uh, cover number two, we had actually uh, a riot. It, you had Delissa uh, and Elijah looking at a television, a riot's going. And one of the individuals is holding up a sign that says, white lives matter yeah. so automatically you had to think about and actually have that discussion right mm -hmm. there about what you saw well this time we put it in the title so everybody who's reading the title yeah. <laughs> why don't they cry they're like what the hell you know <laughs> yeah, and we and we've already gotten like uh one one person on twitter like i'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole <laughs> that's cool i mean there's there's something to um telling people what they're gonna get so that you can push people away from it who are gonna hate it anyway or or you know I, i'm thinking of this with the not safe for work stuff and that's why you know i was saying if you have tna in the cover i want it in the book also <laughs> if you have tna in the book i want it on the cover yeah. and if you're gonna have you know if you're gonna have these discussions right Put it out. Put it out there. Um, yeah, go if, for it. Right. If so, if someone is too afraid to engage in your ideas, then just let them stay in their bubble and 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 put a book out for people who are willing to either agree with you, engage with your ideas. You know what, whatever it is. Right. I personally, I'm, I'm, you know, pretty pretty darn white guy i didn't find anything in the book that was anything other than exploratory and um thought-provoking you know and, and that's the, that cool. i'm glad you said that because uh there there are several people who uh they just judge straight from you know uh first glance but we had a review that was done and uh the one fact that the reviewer really loved they was like, it, it wasn't a preaching. They even, uh, he even stated at the beginning, he thought that it was going to be, you know, one of those type where you, you're driving at something and you're trying to preach. And he was like, it's not a preaching, you know, comic book. He, he loved that whole fact that it was really open for you to have your own discussion. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, that's what we want. We don't, we, we're not looking to preach. We're looking to, you know, entertain and just give you something to think about. Edutainment. Edutainment. Mm -hmm. It's finest. Yeah. <laughs> but but definitely, uh, we while we're on here, hey, I've been backing all y'all stuff because, so, you know, that's some, some great, great, you know, projects out there. I was like, why in the hell they tell me this, you know, before? You know? <laughs> <laughs> that's what this is for, right? Is yeah, I did, like, I did the same on, thing. Man. I'm just... Uh... I'm, I'm picking each person's time so I can then hop on and back instead of trying yeah. to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Will and I, Will and I used to invite like eight people on every week, and then we looked at our credit card, and we were like, no, four at the most, four at the most. <laughs> we can't afford to have everybody we want to talk to. <laughs> All right, so um, I, you know, I this is this is volume two coming out in Kickstarter uh, first. Will this have a comic shop launch as volume? two did is that up in the air what's what's in the future for black cotton volume two go ahead Brian. So, yeah so yeah um we are we are still planning to release with scout um okay. at a later date um and you know it, it it's very interesting because real quick like black cotton volume one originally was going to like we were just planning to release it you know through kickstarter it was going to be an independent comic mm -hmm. um and the interesting thing was you know uh, through you know, specific connections, et cetera, et cetera, you know, um, Scout picked it up, which, you know, we're very fortunate that Scout did. And, you know, this kind of book, very much like the Black series, you know, that's with Black Mask and see Pat Shan, Black Mask, shout out Pat Shan, right? Um, <laughs> the the idea was like, you know, Black, Black Mask took on Black when no other publisher would. We kind of mm -hmm. feel that way with, um with scout where you're like you know scouts are calling black cotton and that's not a, a title that normally a publisher would take on so you know we're very appreciative to scout for that so yeah. since we <laughs> had that experience you know, yeah, wait by the way you speak his name he's like beetlejuice <laughs> there you go. Yeah! There he is. for sure congratulations oh, oh wait wait congratulations to you kevin excellent kickstarter oh my goodness yeah. and Congrats to Pat Shane. He just got done with his as well. It yeah. just ended, I believe. So, um, but yeah, so we wanted to double back um, and kind of like, well, come full circle. And we wanted to explore um, the, the the independent, independent route, you know, of, mm -hmm. of putting out on our own um, and then transitioning into yeah. stores. So we wanted to offer kickstarter backers and readers that audience even create hopefully a new audience um for yeah. this volume two which honestly could stand on its own but right. that's a great thing volume two can stand on its own but if you've read volume one then you know you you get that extra sauce and you know the, and the, i the i personally believe it's two different audiences you know you've got your kickstarter readers and you've got your 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 wednesday warriors and right. there's i don't i don't personally believe you're you're cutting one off for the other. It's just right. offering it to, to multiple people. And I think, Indeed. you know, I know Tinsel, uh, is it Tinseltown was alternate, correct? Yeah. Yeah. The single issues are, are were uh, put out and still being put out by Alterna. So, so yeah, you, you feel the same way, which is a, a nice transition. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll pop into Tinseltown. Um, so how did you get into, you went in, did you ever kickstart any of this before or did it come out? with Alterna as single issues first? Um, so what I did is I, I did the first Tinseltown as a full-length graphic novel, but it was plotted out in, in such a way that it could be easily divided into a five-issue miniseries. And I submitted it to Alterna, uh, and they were originally going to publish it as a graphic novel, and then that was right when they went to start doing floppies, and they actually... Mm had newsstand distribution for uh, a little while, which was really cool because 
nobody else had that yeah. um and uh and yeah so they they ended up breaking it up and and putting out uh if you're not familiar with alterna it's kind of cool they they do the books on newsprint so they kind of look and feel and smell like uh you know comics used to in the 70s and 80s and uh, that allows them to keep the price point pretty low i, I think mm. they just raised it to 225 now oh $2. the greedy bastards yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, so Tinseltown, um, like I said, it's a period crime drama about one of the first female police officers in Hollywood. So it's set in uh, 1915 in the first volume, 1916 in the second volume, Losing the Light. And um, both volumes are available uh, through the Kickstarter and both volumes are director's cuts. So uh, the artist is Henry Ponciano. He's a Filipino artist. We've been working together for about 10 years now um this is actually our fifth project we started out doing um a series of graphic novels called the children's vampire hunting brigade which are also available on the kickstarter and uh you know henry was great 10 years ago and he just keeps getting better and better with every panel that he does um yeah the thing that inspired it was uh i was reading about universal studios around 1915 and in some ways, they were a proto-feminist organization in that they were kind of a semi-autonomously run city that had a female mayor, female police chief, and female police officers. Um, but on the other hand, they were not above exploiting those officers by marching them in short skirts and parades to appeal to more prurient interests. Not a movie and, studio in 1915. That's got to be bullshit. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, I thought that was an interesting dichotomy. And actually, in doing research for Losing the Light, uh, I found out they're not the only uh, movie studio from that era that had female police officers. Um, D.W. Griffith's studio did, too. You know, they all kind of functioned as a cross between lot security guards and people that were there to amuse and assist the tourists. And, you know, they were making so many movies back then in the silent era that you would have uh casts of extras coming on the lot and they might disappear and get up to some hanky panky in some of the uh, <laughs> office corridors so you know they were also kind of like school marms keeping on a watch out for that kind of thing um but the thing about losing the light is uh the first volume is kind of the origin story uh of abigail moore she's the daughter of a fallen police officer who applies uh, to be a, a member of the LAPD. They do have a few officers at the time, but she's rejected by them. And she responds to an ad for an audition to be a police officer at Utopia Studios. Um, so she kind of starts off, she's not a real police officer. Uh, by the end of the book, she uncovers a plot to murder the head of the studio. And uh, you know, so she deals with some, some real crimes and some real jeopardy. And the, the second graphic novel, Losing the Light, um, picks up from, from there. The studio's kind of in trouble. There's a combination of accidents that are happening uh, around the various sets with mysterious origin. Um, one of their big stars is caught up in a sex scandal that results in some protests and people wanting to ban her films. And along comes a German director, uh, during world war one who who just emigrated into the states and he says i've got a plan to save utopia it's not going to cost you any money we'll we'll avoid any problems accidents because we're going to shoot it down in mexico 
and uh, we'll put it out through Utopia. And um, it seems too good to be true. Uh, Abigail Moore goes down to Mexico to babysit the production and pretty much all hell breaks loose and, and nothing is, is quite what it seems. So that's, that's the general plot outline of, of the second one without saying too much. Yeah, no, absolutely. And how many, how much of this is sort of, you know, ripped from the headlines and how much is it just researching the atmosphere and just finding stories within the, your research? Yeah, so I definitely I took things from from history. You know, Universal Studios uh, back in the day, they actually had several openings because nobody really cared. It was kind of like a free party, and everybody, you know, the reporters and the and the tourists were always down to have another free party. And at one of those uh, openings, they were doing an aerial demonstration, and one of the planes crashed. Uh, during the demonstration. So I, I incorporated that uh, little bit of history into the first one. Um, in this one, I started uh, researching um, espionage in the United States and the history of it and, and spies. And um, there's a really interesting book called Dark Invasion, which traces, there were a bunch of acts of terrorism on the East Coast uh, while World War I was going on before the United States got involved. And the government kind of covered it up as much as possible. The reason being, uh, you know, they were, they were assisting their European allies and they didn't want to be forced into the war because all the companies that were assisting them were making a lot of money. Mm. And, you know, and so it wasn't it wasn't in the government's interest to to let the people know what was really happening. But ships were being blown up, um, things like that. So I thought to myself, well, um, you know, there was probably some activity happening on the West Coast, too. And uh, that was sort of the germ of the story for for the second volume. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. There's a lot going into that. That's cool. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. Do you have uh, multiple volumes coming? Or like, do you, could you just keep telling these stories? Or yeah, I think I definitely I'd like to do a third volume. I have a general outline of the plot in my mind. I should mention too; these are director's cuts, so there's additional pages of story uh, in in both volume one and volume two that weren't in the alternative miniseries. Um, I kind of, you know, get to expand and decompress the story a little bit. And um, there's also additional unreleased pinups. And uh, for volume two, I just found out recently that uh, Tony Isabella, the creator of Black Lightning, is going to write the introduction for it because he's oh, a fan awesome. of the series. So I'm, I'm excited yeah. for that. Yeah, that's David, that's do, you, super do you struggle with having too much research sometimes? You know, there's the old adages about like, don't get seduced by research and your stuff's like super, you know, it sounds very well researched. I imagine you might have to like kind of stop researching already and start writing or like, do you struggle with that kind of stuff or is it easy for you? Um, you know, I, I did a whole lot more research for volume two than I did for volume one, like everything from going on some of the historic Hollywood walking tours, you know, where you say like, oh, this is the building that Raymond Chandler wrote some of his hard-boiled detective fiction from, you know, looking out on uh, Hollywood and Vine, that kind of thing. Um, but, uh, no, you know, I, I think I know when to quit because I, I know uh, the story I'm, I'm wanting to tell. And so if there's something that, uh, 
that doesn't reinforce that story, I'm free to disregard it. <laughs> I, I think that's a great question that I'd like to bring Patrick and Brian back in with Black Cotton. You know, that you, you've created uh, 200 years of alternative history, basically. So did you go back and, and, and do your own research to try to make this mirror image? Or was it kind of like, no, we can figure out this family now and tell your story? What was your research for Black Cotton? So it was kind of, I, I, yeah, hybrid for sure. Where, <laughs> um, like, we wanted to focus on really the present, um, because a lot of times, you know, when you go into telling a story that is um, that that is race sensitive or social classes, well, let's just stick with race, like race sensitive. Um, those stories tend to go to like one place, slavery. Maybe. And what we wanted to do was not go to slavery because that then puts the story into one category. Uh, we wanted to tell um, a new story, a different kind of story. Um, one that you know began with empowerment. One that began with looking at um, what humanity um, might have been if the roles were reversed. And really it's much the same um, but then we will have the ability to, by starting in the modern time, we will have the ability to deconstruct. And that's what we're doing as the BCU expands. Um, we are deconstructing it and you're finding out different aspects and elements of it as you move forward um, instead of going with like an origin story. And we wanted that vehicle to be the family um, because there's a lot, because with family, there's intimacy and you become invested in in in, in the characters and mm -hmm. um and that's how we learn about each other you know it's through it is seeing each other and seeing the characters and what they're going through so um yeah. there is research but we, right. we we we've done it in a um in a very deconstructive way right <laughs> blake's and, and, buzz i'm sorry blake's buzz in the comments says it's a stacked house tonight fellas get your wallets ready <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, Brian, it's it's really interesting because, you know, Black Cotton does, you know, what the best science fiction does, which is that cognitive estrangement. You know, you, you it, it forces you, the reader, to see something from a much different viewpoint. Right. And hopefully, you know, and as it needs to be done, you know, hopefully that happens with, you know, people who are picking this book up. So, you know, bravo. And, 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 and uh, I'll say this real quick. Uh, me and Brian, especially at our beginning uh, talks and discussion, there was one question that we really wanted, uh, I, I would say that really drove why we took slavery out. Because we wanted people to ask themselves this question. Could the nation or the place that we are right now, if we remove that out of our history, will we still be at the same place? Because for some reason, sometimes, uh, and, and what I'll say is, we always sorta look for a reason why we are where we are. Meaning whatever situation you're in in life, you know, you're always looking, what mistake did I make or what caused me to be here? Yeah. So we wanted to remove that excuse or that element from history so people could really take a look at okay if that was never there would 
the state of our nation, would the state of the world still be at this very point that we are right now? Or could it be different? And by people looking at that question, a couple of things happen. They can, they will either have a revelation that, you know what? Wow. You know, we could have still got to the same point, even with that, without that in our history. And then they'll also take a look and say, and say maybe this, okay, you know what? I can change what <laughs> is right now, you know, by just taking a look at it. You can say, okay, you know what? There's a way we can change how we are right now for the better. And that's what we're hoping. We're hoping that people who read uh, Black Cotton, by them having that self-dialogue with each other, that empathy comes into play. And if we have more empathy when we're having discussions with other people, then you really grow through those conversations instead of debates. It seems like right now, more people are debating instead of having conversation, which is why you're having more uh, conversations that are ending with destruction or violence. People just can't talk anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's you know, it's, it's, that all sounds amazing, but your book will not be able to be discussed in Florida schools anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. Sorry. As as a, as a Floridian, I, I resemble that remark. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can only, only get forty nine or fifty. That's it. You can cap. You well, cap. It's coming. <laughs> it's coming to Arkansas too because we hired your director of education. That when you know done messing that up because oh man, freaking Arkansas. All right, we, we, try, we try to keep this positive and I'll, and, I'll, and I'll go negative real quick if we get far into that. Um, speaking of positive, in the comments. Um, E. Burenson, I believe, says the best thing all of these creatives have different genres for their books, something for everything. It's a nice eclectic uh, group of books, which is really a lot of fun. Um, but I, David, I, one thing, Patrick said empathy, empathy, empathy. And I was thinking you were talking about how your mother was a police officer and yeah. how this was a bit of your you know, it, it, you know, in, in, you know, in honor of her. And so that empathy of knowing a woman who, who did this job, how did that inform how you approached this project? Well, yeah. Um, I saw how hard it was for her as a woman to be a police officer in the eighties and the nineties. And so, you know, I, I looked back at the history of, of females in police work and, uh, you know, extrapolating backwards, it was only harder, you know, the further back you go. Uh, I mean, women kind of became involved in the police force because even back around 1915, you had teenage female runaways, prostitutes, drug addicts, and the, the male police officers did not feel comfortable doing strip searches of them, obviously. And so that's kind of how, you know, they, they started hiring the first female mm -hmm. uh, officers. But, uh, but yeah, you know, my mother um, be basically became a police officer because uh, when I was in first grade, my parents got separated and ultimately divorced and she needed to go back to work and find a career that she could earn a decent living to support 
her son and um, you know, the style, lifestyle I had been accustomed to. And, uh, you know, so she grew up, she always loved Nancy Drew books. And she thought to herself, I could do that. And in, in some ways, um, you know, it was, it was stressful because I saw her, you know, she, she got a meat cleaver thrown at her one time and it, it missed uh, so that was good. Uh, you know, she and her partner apprehended a, a murderer and uh, they would have gotten an award for that, except that their captain forgot to tell them about the ceremony. So they just he just collected it for them. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, um, my mother always said and this kind of relates to perhaps to um, Black Cotton. She always said that um, most police officers are good people imperfect people trying to do a very difficult and often dangerous job. She said there are also police officers who are as bad or worse than any of the criminals we ever arrest. And unfortunately the system is set up to protect them. Mm. So, you know, that's, that's something I get into in Tinseltown as well. So my buddy, Justin Douglas says, Mother's Day is coming up. You're sounded like a badass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My, my mother, unfortunately, is no longer with us. Um, but, Sorry. you know, she uh, I did I did get to read her uh, the embryonic script um, oh, good. Of, of the first Tinseltown. Good. And, uh, you know, she appreciated it. She had some criticism. She said, make sure you you know, it's good, but make sure you avoid cliches. Uh, you know, she was my biggest fan, but she, she wasn't a pushover. So <laughs> I, I like family members who will tell you what's what. I, that, that's good. It is. It's good to have honest feedback. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, it is 1151. We got to get to Keith. We got to we got to check out animals. Number one, Keith, I, as I pull up the screen, I noticed that like Black Cotton, you have a very specific and cool and interesting art, art, artistic style on your book. How did that come to pass? Yeah, yeah. The um, Well, first of all, if we're approaching midnight on the East Coast, I mean, you got you to go with the horror book, right? So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we, we bookended uh, it. We started with horror. We're ending with horror. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I, I, I like that. I like, I like taking us home on into midnight here. Um, so, yeah, the artist, um, that is actually uh, – Carlo, Carlo Romero, who did the cover, but that art right there is the interior art to the book. It's oh, wow. by a, uh, an, an Australian digital painter named Ed Condon. And I found him through a submission inbox for, you know, like my publishing company for, or for Invader Comics, which I'm, I'm part of. Um, I, I joined Invader way back in the day because I was a creator who was just selling my own book and, uh, and was, was across the aisle from um, the company that is now Invader. And one thing led to another. My book went to Invader or 215 at the time, 215 Inc. And then, you know, then I became kind of part of the company, which is something I love. I love, you know, my, putting my comics out there. I love putting, you know, good comics out there by anybody. Um, so, yeah. So, Ed, like, I, I love Ed's painted style. You know, it's, it's moody. It's atmospheric. Um, and it's it's a bit vague. And, and I like that. I think it works really well for the story that I'm trying to tell in animals, which is also meant, you know, I, I want it to be I want it to be the kind of book that you sort of feel and you sort of experience. Um, and I, I think Ed's interiors deliver that, you know, when I was mm -hmm. first thinking of, of who to use for the artists, 
I didn't want it to be a standard comic look. You know, I look, I love comics. I collect far too many of them. And, um, <laughs> but that's not what I wanted for this. You know, I'm a, I'm a huge Bill Sienkiewicz fan. Oh, yeah. um, and, and this, you know, so I he's like fine. that. He's okay. That? He's okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's fine. He's done, a, he's done a good thing or two, right? Like, I mean, if, if that's all, if that's only the only guy you can get, whatever. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I liked that. I liked that it had a nice, you know, uh, moody paint vibe, you know. And then, um, and so yeah, animals. You know, we were talking about pandemic a little bit. In a lot of ways, it's it's my pandemic story. Thanks, it, it kind of takes two things. Yeah. It, 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 <laughs> It takes it takes two things um, that I just sort of twisted one time when I was thinking, you know, one time I was out running at night and I live in California and um, and where, you know, there's there's critters and rodents everywhere. So I was running down a hill and it was dusk and there was a coyote there mm. and, uh, and I looked at the coyote for a second and then it just it held for a moment and then just turned tail and darted around into the woods. And um, and I was thinking, like, what if it didn't? What if it didn't mm. do that? What if, what if some of its friends were waiting for me and, uh, and, and something bad happened? So that was like, you know, kind of thing number one swirling around. And then thing right. number two was the pandemic. And I was like, okay, I, I, remember, I remember reading during like the, in, the initial stuff of COVID that like your, your dog can't get it, you know? And I thought like, your dog can't get it, but it can transmit it. I think that was the fact about mm. it. And I'm like, okay, so... You know, plenty of people have written COVID stories. And my COVID story was like, well, what if what if we had one that was only the animals? And what if it was highly <laughs> contagious? And it's like, and what if it what if it made them like want to kill like the coyotes that I was thinking of on the on the run? And uh, and that's kind of kind of how they came together. So, you know, the story starts with the lead character who's a sheriff and she gets um, she gets a call from one of her, her common hunters. And the hunter basically says one of my buddies got killed by an animal that came back from the dead. So you go through and you have that thing happen. And that's, that's the first vignette. It's like six months ago. And then we jump ahead to another thing that I think was one month ago and a, a total, you know, no relation. They come in and they say, they tell a story where a bear hunted them with human like intelligence and killed his buddy and was stalking him. And like, it felt like he was taunting him. So that's how the story begins. And then she ends up getting a call from, I think it's um, Fish and Wildlife, the agent there. And, uh, and they end up getting to the cause of this, right? Or at least getting to what they think is a plausible theory. And uh, Animals is going to be a, a two-issue limited series. Um, by the end of issue one, you have a really good idea of, at least you have some hints on, on what is going on and how much worse it is absolutely going to get. So I like that, that issue one ends on a on a nice moment where you're like, oh, my God, what the hell is going to happen next? And right. a whole a whole lot more wild stuff is going to happen in the second issue. <laughs> Cliffhangers. Yeah. Is, is the second issue fully written or are you waiting until the Kickstarter to, to write? It no, out? yeah, I, I read. I mean, you know, you were scrolling through the tiers and the one tier I like a lot is the horror double feature. Um, so this is my first foray, foray into like full horror. I've been mm -hmm. writing a giant monster book called Kadoja. And, and that was the book that, you know, first got me with um, 215 Inc. Now Invader. Um, it's Kadoja and it's basically giant monsters, but like HP Lovecraft meets giant monsters. It's, mm -hmm. it's a Godzilla movie at its most horrific. 
um, mm. you know, meeting up with a with a good old fashioned black and white horror film. And uh, so, I, I I have a couple books that are coming out, um, you know, that I sort of have in parallel. I'm wrapping up Kadoja. It's it's going to go 18 issues, and I'm basically writing. I'm 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 getting art back. I've written the 17th, and that's oh. been a long journey, a 10 year journey. And then I had another. Congratulations! That's amazing. Oh, yeah, thank you, man. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I, mean, I think I think we all have this. We all have this vision of a series that runs long. And look, I have a ways to go there. But something I think about sometimes is the omnibus, right? Like the the big old the big old phone book that's going to have everything mm -hmm. there. And and I'm excited for that because I'm going to be able to pick it up and just be like, oh my god, look at this journey! Look at all these artists that I've worked with. Because you know, working in the indie waters means that artists may move on to another thing. They may mm -hmm. not have time for the project, etc. You know. Um, well, so and, now, and, and if you do. Go ahead. If you do have that omnibus, you know, you could use it to fend off one of the animals, right? You know, <laughs> also serves great to like straighten out my back, you yeah. know, like yeah. when you need to put a brick under your back or something. The the um, cute coyote, maybe. I'm not sure the bear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. That's true. Um, so yeah, I, I have the idea for what Animals 2 is, um, but I haven't written it yet, and that's because I'm sort of you know, spinning three basketballs at the same time, right? I'm, I'm going from Kadoja to three protectors to animals and back. And of course, hiring an artist every time. So, you know, as I mean, we all know that being an indie comic person means you, you bathe in millions of dollars. Um, yes. But I'm going to go, yes. ahead and, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and just take it easy and, and work through one book at a time, despite the countless millions that, uh, that indie comics. Are yeah. I, we, we have a really good comment and, you know, when, 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 you know, Pat is jokes 70% of the time and 30% of the time he drops nuggets. So when he drops nuggets, we got to make sure and put them in. Uh, his comment is good. We need more um, creators striving for long running series, despite the direct market struggles, uh, you know, uh, dictating the opposite to publishers. Yeah. And I think that that's what's so cool about you saying you're writing 17 of an 18 issue series. That is that really is incredible that you've yes. been at it this long, you're still doing it and you're about to, you know, put a bow on it. That's, that's yeah. really exciting to me. It is. Yeah. I mean, it's, well, and it's, go ahead. Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was just going to, I mean, it's exciting to me. Yeah. Um, I think because, and, and now I'm, you know, I had always planned on Kadoja going four arcs. So a mega arc that's four trade paperbacks. Mm -hmm. And now that I'm here, now that I've written the second to last issue and I'm going to sit down within the next three months to write the last issue, you know, I can sort of see that light at the end of the tunnel and books like animals are the result of that. It's like, wow, I have free time. I can, I can write something else, you know, or I can, mm -hmm. I can tell some of these other stories because I've gotten way more into horror over the last couple of years, I've actually written a horror novel that I'm shopping. Yeah. Hmm. And, I just uh, saw so Brian yeah. jump up in his chair when you talk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, actually, yeah. Brian and, and, and Patrick, how, you know, you know, we've talked about animal, you know, Kadoja uh, going 18 issues. What, what do you guys see for black cotton? Is that going to be, you know, something that's going to go for a decade or 10 more issues or, you know, with some weird, in between state <laughs> <laughs> that's an excellent question i'm, I'm gonna start and then i'm gonna let brian you know uh finish it off um here's what i'll say there's a reason why we chose to you know do volume two uh through kickstarter this time because we had a big gap 
between volume one and now. And uh, we say, you know what? It's been a long time. Uh, let's get it to the people first, you know, before we run it through the stores. We, we've had some hardcore black kind fans who have been just pinging us and like, yeah. hey, where, where, where's volume two? What the hell? <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so, so I'm sorry, guys. I, I was just impatient. Wasn't trying to call names, but <laughs> what, what people are gonna see is that we weren't just doing nothing. We've already, you know, uh, volume two. You see, it's coming. Uh, we've already uh, mapped out volume three. We've also mapped out uh, a one shot that's gonna fill in that one year gap because mm. uh, volume two. Uh, begins one year later. So there's going to be a one shot that is going to fill fill in that gap. We're also going to have uh, the uh, Keshinomi Twins spinoff also. So uh, we've been working hard. We've been working really, really hard with Black Cotton. And then we also have uh, BCU Presents, which is, uh, shoot, we got uh, Just As. We got Remember. We got uh brian you know how brian brian's uh, got an odd what an audio drama coming out did, what, did i see this this week <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna ask one second i'm not gonna ask you to say anything that you can't say but you have an audio drama coming out so um i work with this company called headphone and um and they are they're based out of um out of, out of india and so you know i i met them through linkedin and um they Put me on for audio drama that you know is is, is their IP, and um and they wanted me to kind of is there's an Indian version and they wanted an American version, so I've been uh, contributing to the American version. So yeah, nice, cool, that's cool. Yeah, it's been cool. Um, You're the first yes, person no. I've ever heard in my entire life that got a job off LinkedIn. Congratulations! <laughs> <laughs> LinkedIn has been really great for me, actually. No, I'm sure. It, I'm sure it's actually good for people, and I, I'm sure it's actually good. But like, it it uh, doesn't it doesn't feel like it from the outside. <laughs> it feels oh, like man. lawyers trying to show each other their diplomas, but that's from somebody outside of LinkedIn. I got you. Got you. I understand. I understand. So yeah, but oh. um, the number that we're going to put on it is is like you know, I mean, The Walking Dead went one ninety three, so we're going for one ninety four, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Also, yeah. Guys, okay. also, uh, BCU sounds really cool. Thank you, oh, Black <laughs> Thank you very much. Cool, uh, yeah. Keith. One one question for you. Um, sure. I. You, you've talked about coming to the end of this 18 issues and, and I'm, I'm very curious as to kind of what that feels like because my crossover division is set to be 20 issues, uh, five, mm -hmm. five, arc, five acts, basically, you know, kind of a five act, yeah. you know, five arcs. And are you I, just uh, saying that to try to conjure up, uh, Clay Adams, like we conjured up uh, Pat Shand in the comments. Yeah, five act structure. Uh, I've never met anybody that talks about the five act structure more than Clay Adams. I don't think he knows what it is. I think he just knows no, it, it sounds. It's cool. a cool term. It's a cool term, man. Um, but uh, you know, you talk about you know 
we all know how making indie comics is like pushing a boulder up a hill with a noodle, right? Mm. You know, it's, <laughs> it's almost impossible, but you're, you're there, you know, did, how, how much did that change from the outset to the end? I mean, is it what you envisioned at the end? Hmm. That's a good question. I mean, it's not, it's not just like, I think, you know, not to get too meta, but like, I don't know if life is what you envision at the end or, or not necessarily mm -hmm. the end, but like today, right? Like every mm -hmm. single one of us talking, listening, wherever we're as old as we're ever going to be right now. Right. And then tomorrow, <laughs> and, we, and, and that means we're as wise as we're ever going to be right now, except tomorrow we're going to be a little bit wiser. Right. And like, you know, like no one, no one can tell you, like, you can't tell yourself where this journey is going to take you. And so I, I love every step of the journey. You know, it, it, man, I had complete, I mean, when we first signed to 215 Inc, we waited 16 months so that we could re-release the first five issues. I've, I've, I've had, I've had to throw away 15 pages of art that I paid for because the story didn't work. You know, I mean, those are some of like the worst parts, but like there's the best part too. And you get through it and you, you know, you're always getting better at telling stories and all that stuff. So it, it's great, but it's also, you know, because, because pushing this boulder up a hill was with a noodle was so fun. You sign up for it again, you know, now I don't, I don't know if I'm going to make another 18 issues of anything. Right. But I, but I, I would love to make another 18 issues period, whatever they're going to be, you know? So if it's, if it's two issues of animals and then this other book, three protectors that I'm working on, so be it. But, you know, six years ago, I had no idea that I was going to write a novel and I, I wrote a novel, you know, um, all of us, there's a lot of stuff that, that none of us know we want to do that five years from now we're going to do. And I think that's super cool, you know? So I hope that answers the question. It's like, no. it's not what I expected. Um, and it was a crazy journey, but I, I don't regret a second of it either. No, but that 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 kind of brings uh, back to like I was thinking about the beginning of the pandemic that uh, Patrick and Brian caused. Um, I had the opportunity. <laughs> I had the opportunity to. You didn't have to take the world. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had the opportunity to do uh, a, a writing workshop, you know, Zoom with you know some guy named Mark Wade, and so I'm like, <laughs> hell yeah! I, I mean, I this guy's written more comic books than I've read. I need to hear what he has to say and he was talking about outlines and you know what you just said really reminded me about what he said which is a huge compliment to you Keith he said outlines are great but when the story takes you away from the outline go with the story and forget your outline he yeah. said because uh -huh. because if the story takes you away from the outline that's where it should go if you fight the story for the outline, you're going to ruin your story. Um, and I thought that was like, you know, you know, when I'm hearing you say what you did, it reminded me of that. And it just reminded yeah. me of like, yeah, let the story, let the characters tell you what they what they want to do and and follow it but the you know and i you know i will uh, will i always joke it always comes back to neil game and he's he has a, yeah. a statement where Someone asked him, how can you outline a story and say it surprises you? And his answer was, I don't know. It just always does. <laughs> right. And it's, well, it's you know, like, 
Yeah, yeah. It's funny you mentioned Neil Gaiman too, because before I took classes on story, you know, um, I've been I've been a Neil Gaiman fan way longer than I've been writing, and mm -hmm. um, and I remember describing Neil Gaiman stories to someone as that, like like the best thing about Neil Gaiman stories is they sort of follow arcs but they don't follow the arc you think, you know, you sort of go mm -hmm. like this and then you'd think that the arc does this as all arcs do act one, act two, act three. Right. But like Neil yeah. Gaiman sort of go like this and then they go like, Oh, look at that. And then they loop around and then they end up like <laughs> way over here. And you're like, yeah, yeah that all really worked. <laughs> you yeah. know? And, and so it's pretty cool that, you know, you mentioning Neil Gaiman kind of brings it back to what I remember talking about the way stories can work, you know, a long time ago. Right. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. I think I think he's gonna make it. I think he's gonna I think he's, <laughs> maybe I think he's gonna serve him and Mark Wade, I think they're gonna make it in this <laughs> You know, it is interesting, guys. My my next book is gonna be about a guy pushing a boulder up a hill with a noodle. <laughs> I, I, I wanna forward an outline. <laughs> <laughs> no. All right. Well, guys, I think I you know, I've had a blast. I'll keep talking if you want to, but I've I've held anybody on the East coast to 1215. Now we did promise that we were going to count down the end of the TART campaign. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull it up. I'm going to share that screen. I think it's done on the East and, coast. And um, what we're going to do is one, it's over. Zero. Uh, we made... Congratulations. Yeah. Was, I'm super happy. I'm super happy. Uh, 419 backers. Wow. I believe that comes out to our fourth highest number ever. Nice. Nice. Huge. No. Uh, you know, four, TARP 14 was 412 backers, and we got 419 for uh, – TARP 14 was 412. Oh. And, uh, you know, yeah, a drug market book, uh, you know, if issue 15 is, is beating issue 14 would be – it would probably be on the cover of Rolling Stone. So that's one of the <laughs> amazing things about Kickstarter is your backers come back yeah. for you. And that's, you know, the lovely thing about it. I'm super happy. I'm super proud of the campaign, super proud of the book. Um, but you know what? The conversation was too cool for me to cut it off to watch a little bit of internet fireworks. I can... I can uh, go on YouTube and watch some fireworks, which if you ever want to watch fireworks, what you need to do. And I think it's San Diego. Oh, yes. Google fireworks all at once. It is the greatest <laughs> video. It's probably top 10 video of all time. Fireworks okay. all at once. Dude, I, I watch that like once every four months just to laugh. <laughs> and enjoy it. it is so great. It's so great. Now I'm I'm going to do one one thing I'm going to I'm going to do the wayback machine to the beginning. I I was telling the uh, tequila story from New York Comic Con without any idea that that my buddy Chris might be watching. So, um, you know, if if you missed the start of the story, New York Comic Con, I needed a little bit of liquid courage. Uh, my buddy Chris, he's the co-creator of Underwars. He's the artist and co-writer. Uh, he hands me. Uh, a, a shampoo bottle of tequila, which I, you know, take down like a champ, but instead of a half a shot, like I just took, it was about three ounces. And, you're, you're you know, boring. I gulped it down, <laughs> you know, it's kind of, but, but I'm, I'm a trooper and someone comes up to the, the booth and uh, 
I went up to talk to her. And as I remember the story, I couldn't talk. But I had just had way too much tequila. Well, Chris was in the comments and his answer was, I turned into the exact moment you told the tequila story. <laughs> the tequila story. And he quotes, my exact quote is, demon traveling time hunter. <laughs> and then I looked at him <laughs> with just fear and you know i was paralyzed and he took over so uh i'm super happy chris was there to give me exactly what i said um i can't remember exactly because of the reason that i just told you guys yeah. and uh uh but you know you got to get through cons any way you can um <laughs> gentlemen i had a blast in case somebody is watching this live and miss the beginning, miss the 30-second pitches. Uh, we're going to go around the horn. I'm done. I don't have to do mine anymore. I, I, I can just lay back. Um, <laughs> piece of your labor. Yeah, I, can, I, I, don't, I don't have to worry about this uh, for about two days until we start putting this baby together. Uh, Brian, you weren't here for the 30-second pitch, so you're going to have to take care of Black Cotton as we, we head on out. I was hoping I could hear what Patrick said before, so I was hoping he would redo it. I absolutely, I'm going to let you listen to it on YouTube tomorrow oh. when you wake up, <laughs> uh, and you're just going to have to find out how good you do. All right, all right, got you. Yeah, this so, time it's uh, like Family Feud. You're in like the ISO booth, and you can't, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> Survey says. Got you. So, uh, am I up first? Is that what this yes, is? Yes, sir, you are. Go. Okay, so. Black Cotton is set in an alternate reality where uh, the social order of white and black is reversed. Um, this particular story, Black Cotton, white on white crime, um, is about um, a year later where Zion Cotton, the main character from volume one, he has made detective and um, he is out to get justice uh, for a slain white team. Um, however, his sister Kia Cotton, while mother and father is out of the country playing, um, or handling business, she's actually playing with the idea of gentrification. And she is um, trying to um, bring in new business to a low-income neighborhood that happens to be the same one uh, that the young white teenager was slain in. So Zion and Kia find themselves on opposite sides. Black nice. cotton, white and white crime. Black cotton. Nice. <laughs> Black cotton. <laughs> oh, by the uh, P. I hope I did you justice. No, you you, you always do justice. <laughs> can, you, can we say one thing? You can Only say whatever you want. We 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 can be here all night. I'm I, I, I'm a full I'm a full. Uh, I don't know what these are called. I'm a full in. Well, I'll say. Okay. Go it might just be the three of us because everybody else is going to bed. But I'm 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 I have energy. We just gotta mention simply because it's uh, time sensitive. Uh, we released a Star Wars uh, exclusive secret cover uh, Wednesday, you know, May the 4th. And uh, it's only running on Kickstarter for four days. So Sunday, guess what? It goes away. Yeah, okay. we, um, we figured, hey, we'll let the people, you know, drive that one. So Jeff wanted to make sure that everybody knew, hey, it's only up there for four days. Give me two seconds. I saw it as we drove through but i will show it on the youtube page uh when yeah you are you all went past it i did it it's down below 
Yeah, you'll see uh, coming up right there. Up there, was, oh, you yeah. missed it. Yeah, I missed it. There, right, right there. there. Oh, it's yeah. a it's a double it's cover. A wow, one. nice. Yeah. Sweet. Uh, yeah. Do you have a limit on the number, or is it based on how many backers? Based on how many backers we uh we we're letting the people you know drive it. So that's it's here, and then it's gonna be gone. Right. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Good idea. Cool. I just. Did this show on Cinco de Mayo so I could drink. To get <laughs> so you can tell how I plan. <laughs> I respect that. All right. So um, let's see. Uh, you know, I'm going to do Tinseltown, David, so that I don't uh, mess it up. Let a 30-second pitch on Tinseltown. Sure. Tinseltown is a period crime drama about Abigail Moore, one of the first female police officers in Hollywood that's been called L.A. Confidential meets Boardwalk Empire. It's also my tribute to my mother, Mary Lucarelli, who probably served the Pittsburgh police for 20 years. Um, it collects uh, both miniseries put out by Alterna Comics. The first volume looks something like this with art by Henry Ponciano. It's a Filipino it a artist. Like that. Yeah. And the, <laughs> the second volume is called Losing the Light. Both volumes are director's cut editions, so they feature additional unreleased story pages and pinups and an introduction in volume two by Tony Isabella, creator of Black Lightning. All right. Uh, Carmilla, David, let's, let's pop through that. You're on mute. <laughs> it's, I wanted to be consistent. Every time I you, talked, I'm on mute. You know, <laughs> you know what? I appreciate that. If you're if yeah. you're gonna come, come even kill. Yeah. So, uh, Carmilla Unbound, number one. It's a not safe for work thriller featuring the original literary vampire reborn in blood, sex, and magic. She's crossed oceans and centuries searching for her one true love. After one night of passion, she thinks she's found her in Los Angeles, 1973. But when the blood starts flowing, Carmilla, legendary creature of the night, isn't the only one feasting. How many more will die before the night is through? Back it and find out. Based on the erotic <laughs> novella by Sheridan Lafanu that inspired Bram Stoker's vampire tale 26 years later, Carmilla Unbound is for people who think Dracula would have been much better if it had more lesbians and wasn't so long-winded. <laughs> nice and keith uh i've got one comment after you so i'm not going to say take us home but let, let's hit it hit animals and hit it hard you got it. you got it so animals number one it's the first issue of a two issue limited series um animals have contacted a dangerous contagious virus and they want to kill you now so watch out Nice. Um, for animals, you know, it's 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 got a nice painted atmospheric feel to it. And if you not only like animals, but you want to see where, you know, this 10 year comic journey has taken me for the other book I do, then I have a horror double feature tier for the first issue of animals and the first trade paperback of Kadoja, which is my giant monster horror book that is now about to be on its 17th issue. Nice. And uh, actually, the guy who should take us home is some guy named Will Allred for Crossover Division, because you are <laughs> you are putting your volume one together. Uh, what was your 30 second pitch? Uh, our stories are invading reality and threaten, threatening to fracture it beyond repair. And uh, only an English professor and a research librarian have the smarts and knowledge to 
Save us all from an unhappy ending. Nice. And we've got a comment in the chat from my buddy, Justin Douglas. And what he says is, and I'm going to move this so I can read it better. The world is hungry for originality. Feel it. Feed it. So what you're doing is you're giving you're giving these books to people. And I, I do want to give a shout out to Justin. This is this is a guy who he's from Georgia, uh, very proud of his original state, Peach Tree State. He has created a liquor company uh, that makes peach infused vodka, brandy, possibly a whiskey on the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he is uh, living uh, what he says. So, you know what? It doesn't have to be a story, but if you can bring something new, different, something that you're passionate about, something that only you can bring to the world, like Justin's, you know, peach infused brandy and vodka or black cotton or animals or crossover division, Tinseltown, Carmilla, you know, whatever you're bringing to the world, just fucking bring it. You know, all right, gentlemen, it was a pleasure. Have a wonderful night. Everybody in the chat. I really appreciate you being in and uh, we will see you next week. Good night. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Thank you so much.